0: This is Sazim Kohler, and this is Microphones of Madness. Hey everybody, Microphones of Madness, Sword and Soul month continuing. Today we're looking at the second half of Griots, a Sword and Soul anthology, edited by Milton Davis and Charles Saunders. Overall, what did you think of the second half?
1: I think the second half kind of, it got a little muddled in the middle there, <laughs> and then, but it really ended strong. I mean, like, strong, strong. But um, I, there was a couple stories that I, it, you know, it's the writing that got me caught up more than what was going on in the stories. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, you know, that's just anthologies. That's just how it's going to
0: be. There's a little bit of everything in there, and you're not going to, like everything. Right. It's like a buffet.
1: Exactly. you got to uh, season to taste. And then what, what I like is going to be different from what you like. Not very much, because we have very similar taste. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but someone else. Right. Carol McDonald and Changeling. This came to me as kind of like part fairy tale and part morality play. Mm-hmm. That, that it focused more on not the plot of the story, but the characters' actions?
1: Yeah, a lot of the action in this story was off-camera mm-hmm. or just mentioned in passing. This was definitely more concentrating on the the characters themselves and the situations, mm-hmm. the inter interpersonal situations that they're in. But the, mm-hmm. the, the, the sword play, um, all of that was kind of off to the side.
0: Right, right. This is more of a, a personal drama, almost like a costume drama type of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it definitely had I, – I honestly thought it was going to be a retelling of King Lear, um, and it was kind of the anti-King Lear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I noticed it had a little little dash of Serrano in
1: it. Yeah. Actually, that's in one of my notes. It's like Serrano de Bergerac. <laughs>
0: Except the opposite of Cyrano de Bergerac, the pretty man is the one who is secretly writing the letters. Right. What we have right. is the story of, of a princess. Uh, she's the, the third born daughter. She's not the prettiest. She's, you know, we don't know if she's the smartest or not, but it focuses a lot on the fact that she is physically ugly. And how she's kind of cast out of not only her family but the the society that she lives in doesn't really dig her either because you know she's she's on the ugly side, and she has another sister who's just and it, it kind of goes up as as the daughters get older you know that their their beauty factor increases so you have the middle child who's yeah she's she's all right and then the oldest daughter is the the most beautiful and the most talented. And everything. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Also the most insecure. Yes. The spoiled one. Yep. She's she's the spoiled one as well. As is the custom in this country, they are arranged marriages. Mm -hmm. When the third daughter's husband gets there, he like falls in love with the eldest daughter and they elope. And the middle daughter, you know, is arranged to marry a guy who's basically a schemer and right. whose country is nothing but backstabbing and political intrigue. Right. The eldest daughter was betrothed to...
1: A prince from the east.
0: A prince from the east, of effectively Korea. You know, the, the kindest and gentlest and most romantic, and had the largest, wealthiest
1: kingdom. And I think that the oldest was betrothed to a German.
0: She was no? betrothed to... Yeah, she was betrothed to the Korean man. He eloped What's with the German. Term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We, we come to find out that in the midst of the eldest daughter's eloping with the German, that all the love letters that, that the third daughter was getting were actually written
1: by the prince from Korea. Because he and the German prince were buddies. Mm-hmm. And the German prince had the same kind of uh, personality that the old, eldest daughter had. Yes. Insecure and lazy, lazy, and
0: <laughs> spoiled. The yeah. third, the the prince from Korea, the most handsome of them all, was also yeah. the third son. Yes. Uh, so he was kind of like the quote unquote bastard child of the group, and he was just kind of sent away. That's how he and the German guy got to be buddies.
1: Right.
0: Is that you know it was like, well, you're the third son. Get out of here. We don't need you. Yeah. Um. The queen, our princess, our fair princess's mother, dies, summons all of her daughters, and and gives the kingdom to the eldest daughter. And the eldest daughter suddenly has ambition. Right. To rebuild the kingdom in a way that's, you know, fitting to the past, the past glory of
1: empire. Yeah, she wants to make the the kingdom great again. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Effectively. So, war breaks out. She uh, coerces the middle sister and her husband's kingdom back into the fold. And she's built up enough power to threaten the kingdom of the third sister and her husband. Right. Who has now become king through fortune, good fortune, effectively.
1: Yes. Well he, he ended up being in line for the kingdom, but yeah, he, he got it. Um and
0: so war breaks out and and we see kind of a kind of a face heel turn from from the handsome romantic prince. Um pretty yeah. much everyone our our character who is referred to as a changeling because of her appearance. You know, gets to a point where she really kind of feels everybody around her has betrayed her. And he's like, look, you want all this to stop, you gotta kill your sister, and it has to be your hand that does it. right?" And she's like, no, I ain't gonna do it.
1: Well, now now that he's king, um, he, he is concerned about his personal honor and the honor of the kingdom, mm-hmm. which is hinges upon her being able to kill her sister. Right. Um, because it reflects upon him, which is kind of a fucked up thing, but right. she ends up being caught uh, between a rock and a hard place.
0: Yep. And she makes a decision that really kind of leaves you scratching your head at the end as to exactly yeah. why. And we're not going to tell you what that is. You got to buy the book to write that. Yep. Because it is a bit of a twist.
1: It's a twist. So
0: next we have the general's daughter. And this is by, uh, Anthony Nama Kwame. Kwamu. Sorry, can't read my own handwriting. Now this one, I think you were saying saying previously that uh, this one is kind of like a retelling of Orpheus with, yeah, it's, um, it's
1: Orpheus with more with, killing. With a lot more killing. And the ending is a bit It's a little more it's a little more upbeat than Orpheus' ending. Yes. Even though this similar results, but it's definitely more bittersweet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my first note was excuse me while I wipe my eyes the book produces a lot of dust. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely um, a tearjerker. Yeah,
0: it has it's a it's a bit of a tearjerker as you say. Um, it has a lot of great action scenes. The story begins as a great general loses his only daughter, right, uh, in a tragic accident. A wizard, as an aside, this book should also have a secondary subtitle of What the Fuck is Up with Wizards?
1: This wizard isn't that bad. No, but... This is more of a Gandalf wizard than a uh, full-blown evil sorcerer. We don't even
0: know if it's really a Gandalf wizard. It's just this wizard just shows up at his house. He, the, the general is despondent. You know, he's he's locked himself in his room. He's taken to wearing all black. He's got, you know, hair that hangs down in his face and eyeliner and stuff.
1: And He's become the Robert Smith of generals.
0: <laughs> yeah. And this wizard kind of shows up at his door and says, hello, I'm a wizard. And I offer to give you your daughter back if you do something for me. And uh, Well, sure, I'll do anything. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to go to hell. <laughs> I want you to bump off a demon. Now, if that's not all there was to it, I mean, right there, that's just a pretty handy quest. Yeah. Is, okay, descend into the underworld, bump off a demon.
1: Well, no. this, is, this is why he's gandalf because what he says and what he actually wants done Yes, on the surface, that's what he has to do. But the wizard knows full well you have a situation that is going to require a little bit more than bumping off a demon. Right. And it's not just bumping off a demon. It's you have to cut off his
0: head. You have to throw it across this river. If you drop it in the river, it's toast. I, I can't get you your daughter. But you have to throw his head across the river. And then you have to bring me his horn. And then
1: and here's a must bone cut down the Here's tool. a bone to do it with.
0: Right. And then you must cut down the tallest tree in the forest with a herring. And so our, our heroic general is like, yep, I'm down. Grabs up his sword. his daughter. I mean, right. He goes, you know, he's like, yeah, I'll do anything to get my daughter back. And so he picks up his sword. He picks up his dagger. And magically he's in hell. And I love how it's actually written into the story that the method in which he got to hell is known only between him and the wizard. Nobody else it knows. It saves him. a lot of time. So he gets to hell. The demon, of course, sends his minions after him, as you know, all good sword and sorcery and fantasy stories are. The, you got to go th- cut your way through a bunch of mooks. Of course. And you have to meet interesting people along
1: the way. The interesting thing about the interesting people is most of the people that he speaks with aren't dead. But yeah, they are people who have basically tried to do what he's doing Mm -hmm. and failed.
0: Right. Or people who have died and they are imprisoned in this like undying, almost Dante's purgatory kind of stuff. He's
1: he's not limbo in hell per se. He's more like in the antechamber to hell.
0: Yeah, he's like in limbo, effectively.
1: But it's still it's not a good place. No. It is a bad place to be. So it's not like completely neutral. It's still part of hell because they want to get out of there. So it's, it's
0: it's like Ohio. Delaware.
1: Or Delaware. Hi. Oh, I'm in Delaware.
0: Yeah, he meets up with a bunch. He meets up with this guy who's a, a type of spirit who says, we're raising an army to challenge the demon because he's the one responsible for holding us all here. We need
1: you. Well, if he needs an angel.
0: Yeah, effectively
1: an angel, an angel whose task was to free all these these liminal souls, but, mm-hmm. he, could, but he can't do it. Right. He needs the help of a champion, mm-hmm. a champion with a bone. Yep. That's because the
0: bone, yes, well. the bone is his magic item. It gives him the ability to actually injure the creatures of this realm and kill them. Yeah. Which apparently has a radiant effect as well, because all of the other army were able to kill these creatures too. So he's like, the angel says, "You know, we need we need a champion. You know, we need a guy to, to to hook this up, and yeah, we'll help you. I'll take you to your daughter if you help us fight. Just get us out of Delaware, and I'll hook you up."
1: The ironic moment, because it's in hell, there always has to be an ironic moment. Mm. Is uh, his his enemy, mm-hmm. his enemy from life, leads the army of the just, mm-hmm. and his second in command in life leads the army of the damned. Yes. Because his enemy was actually a virtuous man who just fought on the side that he believed in, mm-hmm. whereas his his um, assistant was a wicked man. Yes, i uh, um, assuming we, gambling whores, you know that kind
0: of thing. Right, and, and we see we see a little bit of the general's personality because you know he he meets his former enemy as the commander of the the rebels, and you know I I defeated you. He's like, yes. He's like, but you know I was. I was defending a cause that I thought was just, just as you were defending a cause and they shake hands and they're like best buddies. Right. Because both are men of honor.
1: Well, and then that conflict in the past Mm -hmm. that that was resolved and taken care of.
0: Right. And you know, the guy was like, I lost fair and square and now we're here. And I, I honored to fight by your side. Um, And
1: there's his buddy
0: and then there's his buddy and he meets his buddy. And he's like, I did not expect to see you here. You were, you know, you were my friend. You were such a great general. And he's like, Yeah, but I've done things. Well, what sort of things? I don't want to talk about
1: them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it made,
0: leads me to believe that's it's a little bit more than like boozing and gambling and, and whoring. Possibly. Yeah, you know, that but that dude's got some serious skeletons in his closet.
1: I guess it depends on how hard or easy it is to get into hell in in this cosmology.
0: Well, apparently with this this demon in charge, it's very easy because he can just snatch anybody he wants.
1: Well, how easy it is to deserve to be there, I guess. Uh, Who knows? They don't get into that part. So you basically now have the battle that he fought at the beginning of the story that he had won Mm -hmm. is being refought with him on the opposite side. Right. And he wins that one. Yes. Because he's the hero of
0: the story. And he's a good general. And he's a good general. He's a damn good general. And pretty handy in a fight, too, because he's been fighting the whole time. I imagine. From the, pretty much from the moment he arrives and crosses that bridge, he's, he was fighting people.
1: I imagine that once you make it down into that level of non-reality, your fatigue probably doesn't, doesn't happen. But he was fatigued. He just
0: ignored it because he had a purpose. He was even injured during that battle. That's true. But he ignored it. Pretty much everybody in both armies gets wiped out, save for the general and the general of the opposing army. The demon, our hero, is sent to kill. Right. And, you know, his appearance is like, he turns around and is like, wow, that's the best-looking dude I've ever
1: seen. Yeah, it's kind of like having defeated an army of the undead, having a adult black dragon plopped down right in front of you. Kind of.
0: So... <laughs> The general and the demon fight. The general wins, of course. And he's presented with a choice. He can fling the head of the, of the demon across the river, rescue his daughter, or he can fling the head into the river of poison, thereby creating the demon's demon's final death and freeing all the souls in this undying realm. Right. I mean,
1: it's kind of your, your fuck either way. Pretty much. It's, it reminds me of the end of um of uh what the fuck was that game? Son of a bitch.
0: Mass Effect? No, no. Um, or you have a choice that's
1: not really a choice? No, there's well oh, no the zombie apocalypse game with the fungus people. Left, no, not Left Dead, uh, Naughty Dog put it out. Why am I having a frame card at this point? Fungus people? Yeah, there were zombies that were controlled, that were uh, fungus. It was caused by a, a fungal infection. The Last of Us. Oh, the Last of Us. Right, because at the end of The Last of Us, well, I mean, you don't have a choice. You really, you don't make a choice. It's part of the cutscene. It's part of the story. But the, the the protagonist is basically given the same choice: save the girl that he's come to think of as his daughter. Right or sacrifice her to stop the end of the world mm-hmm. from continuing
0: right and it's a very similar type of uh, very similar type of decision that he has to
1: make right and uh, I won't I won't say what decision the general made but I will say that he made the exact opposite decision of the one made in the last of us so
0: <laughs> so you just kind of gave that away
1: well only if you
0: played the last of us Next up on the list is Sakati's Koan by Jeffrey Thorne. Yes. <clears throat> now, I thought this was like a fun little uh, martial arts story. I like this story.
1: This was, speaking of having a, that that samurai Japanese flavor, mm-hmm.
0: it was almost kind of like the Tai uh, Chi Master with gently the, the early half of that film, where they're on the temple and they're training and. You know, they have this rivalry built up between each other, and they have rivalry built up between the students, mm-hmm. and and they the two just keep getting into trouble, and it's this is what it reminds me of.
1: Yeah, it's definitely got that flavor to it. Yeah, and no no Wu Tang,
0: no. But this is uh, this is a story basically featuring the martial training of the Orishas. So it takes place in in their realm, and everyone is kind of is a little bit different than than normal. Humans, almost, yeah, it, almost kind of bird-like. I get this this picture in my head.
1: Yeah, and I didn't quite get that until later on, mm-hmm. and it was kind of it was a little confusing until later on when they're talking about how the uh, the big guy he was adopted or raised by humans. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? Well, uh, quick went right. over it all and went, oh, okay, now it makes
0: sense. Right, and what's really interesting is that Sakati's opponent throughout this throughout this story is an unnamed like legendary warrior right you know probably the way you hear the other characters talk about him he's possibly the greatest warrior to ever walk the earth Mm -hmm. and pretty much Sakati is sparring with him and he cuts her and she has this blood for blood mentality that you know he cut her, so now she has to shed his blood. So it's like this, this vendetta
1: she has. And it, right. She's not well. She's not good enough. I will right. say she's not very good, but she's not good enough.
0: Right? She's not good enough. But it's almost kind of comical in the way that she makes these attempts to to like fight him and sneak up on
1: him. Yeah, it's and, kind and of. It, Kind of like it, the, those Pink Panther movies, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Where like he Pink like Panther walks movies. into his room and and Kato uh, comes out <laughs> attacking him from the ceiling. It, it it has some
0: of that to it, but uh, you know, also we have our our stalwart hero who pretty much doesn't speak until later in the in the book in the story. Um, and he just kind of like shrugs her off, no matter what. You know. Yeah. Ah, I've got you now. You know, block, right. <laughs> or or just kind of just sidesteps
1: at just the right time. She eats face full of dirt. Right, he doesn't even touch her at the time. He just kind of, and it's all over a mistake because when he cut her originally, mm-hmm. he wasn't in his right. I won't say mind, but he wasn't centered.
0: Right. It was an. It was basically an accident yeah so it leads it leads Sakati to investigate so she sneaks into the the master's dorm, dormitory and she
1: discovers she's um, okay. she's like clinging to rafters right <laughs> upside down.
0: You know, trying not to fall, trying not to get caught. And, you know, she sees amazing things while she's in there. You know, And, and the, the funny thing is it doesn't really register to her brain, or at least, you know, within the narration, that uh, this guy is the only student that's actually allowed in this building. Right. She's not supposed to be there. No. And according to the rules they laid out, our guy is not supposed to be there either.
1: Yet he is.
0: Yet he is receiving personalized instructions on what he must do. And, and pretty much he's a warrior that has lost his way. Uh, he has to regain his focus, regain
1: something that he's missing. Right. Because his technique is still there. Mm-hmm. But he's lost that the soul, his warrior's soul, I guess. Yeah. They don't really go into why, and it really doesn't matter.
0: It's almost like the why is a is a you know epic story in its own right. You're getting the hero after the fact, right? You know, you're, the, you're seeing like the consequences of his story.
1: Right, but it 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 would probably make an interesting story mm-hmm. but for the purposes of this story it doesn't matter.
0: It could be anything. That's true. And I'm sure if you did some digging, you could probably figure out who this character is. Right. Because they never tell you who it is. Right. Now, so Sicati is instructed that in order to defeat an enemy, she has to know her enemy. So she takes to, to watching it and eventually just takes to, you know, her her teacher comes up and says, okay, well, you know, you're not going to learn anything about it like this. You think or you're being you so slick. Right. <laughs> but- I know what you're, I know what you're doing, but you know, why don't you just go talk to her? And, and she does. And, Sicati you know, learns a lesson in that she'll never defeat this guy because she's lacking something that he has, he's, but he's not sure where it is at the moment.
1: Right. So she doesn't have what he once had mm-hmm. that he's trying to get back.
0: Right. Yet the master, as masters do, reminds Sicati that whatever it is that he thinks he's lost, he hasn't actually lost Right. it's almost like he's misplaced it
1: right or he can't see it
0: mm-hmm. and that's what he's he's trying to do is he's trying to recover what he's lost
1: right but in, in doing this she realizes that the whole reason she's here training instead of actually fighting the battles that are mm-hmm. going on the mystery of that why her father sent her here lies within what this this guy has lost as well mm-hmm. and, and it's not and, talent. It's, it's certainly not martial talent, because she has that. Right. And as does he. Mm-hmm. Which is why, I guess that's why the t- the story is titled what it is titled.
0: Right. In, um, in commonplace language, when we think of koan, it's a Buddhist term uh, from the Chinese kung an, which refers to literally a public case. It's like legal precedent. It becomes this kind of, in American pop culture, they call it a zen riddle. Yeah, it's the one hand clapping thing. Right, which is a mystery that takes reflection to solve. And there is an answer to koans, but you have to discover them on your own. And her koan, her mystery that she has to solve is what is that thing that she does not have and that effectively her new friend, she becomes his friend, or at very least garners like some type of respect for this person. Right. So she has to discover what that is. And we aren't told. No. So, so I mean, in, in the story, this story Sakati's koan kind of becomes your own koan. You can sit yeah. down and reflect on this story right. for a long time, and you know, come up with all sorts of different
1: answers, right. and n- none of them would be wrong. No, well, some of them would be wrong, <laughs> but if you actually do the work, none of them would be wrong.
0: Now. We come to perhaps one of my favorites in the anthology, The Queen, the Demon and the Mercenary by Ronald T Jones. And this is the story that that you know made me come up with the subtitle of seriously what the fuck is up with wizards.
1: <laughs> this wasn't a wizard, this was a
0: demon. A demon sorcerer. He was a fucking wizard. And and also snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Yeah. yeah. So what we have is we have a demon sorcerer who is plaguing this kingdom. He wipes out her armies, comes to her, and he requires sacrifices. The queen has to take a lover. Yeah. And then she has to... An a, it's a
1: skeezy sacrifice.
0: Yeah. The, the demon sorcerer is very much like a, a West character. <laughs> I
1: was going to say, he, he can't, he, the first scene where you see him, he's got a trilby on. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. And she sends out an army.
1: Now, hold on a second. Just, just think about what the demon makes her do. He makes her, against her will, take a lover, mm-hmm. which is tantamount to rape. Yes. And then kill him, mm-hmm. which is emotional. Just, it's you know, right. the, the guy that's fucked up.
0: And that's or else. Up.
1: The, there's, there's,
0: right, so that's that part is screwed up, and the or else is even more screwed up, because if she doesn't do it, he just kills people at random. Yeah, out of the kingdom, just randomly killed what is it, like some like five hundred people.
1: Yeah, uh, or next time it'll be children. So yeah, so, he is an evil son of a bitch. Yes, probably
0: out of all of the characters in all of the villains in this book, he's probably this one is the the most evil. I don't know if the, the fat guy. The fat guy was pretty evil. Pretty evil, but he's in that 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 human selfishness evil sort of way. This demon sorcerer guy is just doing it to do it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He's got Trump levels of evil.
0: Yeah. He's like, he's a, he's a chaotic evil. And for, it is really difficult to play or portray someone who is truly, truly evil.
1: Right. Because what motivates this guy, he wants this kingdom, but what does he need a kingdom for? He's pretty fucking powerful.
0: Right. So he's just doing this for the, the jollies of tormenting this queen.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could take whatever he wants whenever he wants. And, and, uh, he,
0: and he makes and, no and, effort to disguise the fact that everyone needs to know that he can just walk in and take the kingdom whenever he wants.
1: Yeah, so he's definitely just fucking with her.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have... She sends out her... The, the story opens with him decimating her army. right, And then these... Monks show up and they're like, Hey, you know, our god is a powerful god. You know, we'll fight this demon sorcerer, and in yeah, return, but, you have yeah, to let not, us proselytize.
1: Not, not sweet flip monks, though, right? Fighting Benedictine monks, basically. Yeah, <laughs> Jesuits, yeah, that I mean, more or less, they're crusaders, yeah. And
0: they say, Look, you know, our, our god
1: yeah. is going to kick. Their ass because it's the right. one true god and blah 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 he heard it all before,
0: right? And it turns out that yeah, they they were lying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they get their ass
1: handed to them. And what the sorcerer demon sorcerer does is he summons armies of of man beasts mm-hmm. to fight for him. And these aren't these aren't just like guys with tiger heads or whatever. These are like war machine man beasts.
0: Mm-hmm. Rhino apes and uh, blade-armed yeah. demons and things of this nature. Yeah,
1: with super speed.
0: Yep. But along as as the queen goes to pray to her ancestors, inside her personal shrine is a scamp of a man who apparently has broken into the castle and is hiding out in, in her personal shrine. Right. Thank you. Just, just for a chance of an audience. And he's like, you know what? I can take care of your demon sorcerer problem. I can do this for you, yeah. And she's like, well, what do you want out of it? He's like, I just do this for war and money, baby.
1: (laughs) I just want the money. (laughs) Show me the bread, and I'll get rid of your demon (laughs) sorcerer. Cream,
0: your highness. (laughs) And so, he manages to convince her and he sets about training her armies. And and, and this guy, um, You get um, a whole training his, scene. Yeah, did you catch his name? Um, yeah, I have it written down. Like Toulon or something like that? Yeah. He's almost like a Marco Polo type of character. He's been all over the place. Tulu. Tulu, who has been all over the place. He brings in Mongolian archers, mounted archers who fought for the great Khan.
1: Well, he brings in the cream of the crop from every yeah, place he's been.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Like, they're, they're, whatever they do best, he brings along representatives of that particular army right? and trains her army to be like these guys. Right. He brings in crossbows from China. He brings in the primitive rockets of Korea.
1: <laughs> he has the uh, the... I guess the Bronze Age equivalent of a uh, of a missile rack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much what
0: it is. It, it's a it's a firecracker with a it's, a it's like a bottle rocket with an arrow stuck to it. Yeah, <laughs> very effective. You know, this is the world's earliest you know missile type weapon, real thing, by the way. So he trains the army. They go out and they just totally wreck shit. When they're faced it's, with well, the Rhino apes and the blade arm demons and,
1: Well, they are a professional fighting unit mm-hmm. made of like entirely of special forces.
0: Right. So yeah, but the training is so fast. and they only train them for like a couple of weeks. And so the demon sorcerer, he uses everything he's got. The first time he just used the bladed arm demons. The second time he just used the rhino ape things. And this time he he calls it all up. Yeah. And and Tulu and his men just wreck him. Yeah. Completely decimate the army. The wizard, the demon sorcerer, not happy with it. No, he's, it. Just gonna, he's
1: just going to, that's it. The game is over. I'm taking over.
0: Mm-hmm. So the demon walks into the castle. He is confronted by Tulu and orders his demon soldiers to kill the queen and decides to duke it out with Tulu. After... He tries to just instantly kill Tulu, and his spells do not work. Yeah, And so he, we get this you know, great you know, drag-out fight between Tulu and the demon sorcerer. Uh, meanwhile, the queen's loyal guards and some of Tulu's special forces guys are laying waste to the, the henchmen. And when all is said and done, the queen says, how are you able to do this? I didn't believe he could kill me. I don't believe in magic. <laughs> I don't believe in magic. That's it? Yeah.
1: And she's, well,
0: how did our army defeat his army of monsters? It's like We just told him that uh, if
1: it bleeds, you can kill it. Yeah, I mean, she basically realized that she could have done this herself.
0: Had she had she only had that trick.
1: Right, but it does beg the question. If you believe something, how mm-hmm. hard is it?
0: To especially just
1: if, Yeah, especially if it's like there in front of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's well, it's hard. I mean that's like saying I don't believe in dice, but they're dice right there. Well, I don't believe in dice.
0: Well, it's not that it's not that he didn't believe in dice. He didn't believe that the demon had any power over him.
1: Yeah, but even still.
0: So, in in a, in to use your dice example, it's like yeah, I believe in dice, but I don't believe that what they do has any effect over my life at all.
1: Now he might be able to make that decision, but I don't think she could have. No, because those dice have been rolling. For a very long time for
0: her. And certain outcomes. And he even adapted the principle because the soldiers knew what they were fighting. But it wasn't about necessarily believing that the demon sorcerer has no power. And he can't harm you. It's They went a little more basic as these guys die like anybody else. Right. And that's and what gave them power.
1: And it doesn't hurt that you get new weapons.
0: And right. New
1: fighting techniques. Mm-hmm. But- Firing arrows on horseback.
0: But the interesting thing about this story really is that the uh, hero has defeated his enemy with his mind long before they ever cross swords. Mm -hmm. He is he is a a protagonist that relies more on his cleverness than his uh, prowess. Than his
1: fuse. Well, yes and no, because you don't know that till the end. (laughs) So it right. doesn't have it doesn't have that that um, element of a trickster at work that you that you usually get in these stories. You you find out at the end it was mind over matter. But while you're actually reading the story, he's you, as far as you're concerned, he's kicking their ass. <laughs> uh,
0: next up on the list, we have Ice Witch. By Rebecca McFarlane Kylie. So here we have...
1: The most metal of any of the stories in
0: here. Yeah, it is pretty metal. What we have with this story is is kind of an inversion on a lot of the stories that we've read so far in this book. And this is... This is not an African setting. No. This is an African-descended character in a northern European setting.
1: Oh, yeah. They're definitely in a uh, fjord-ridden environment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with bottle oxes and, and things,
0: but it's, all, it's almost beards. kind of a... Beards, lots of red beards. beards. Lots of beards and long hair and oxes and things of that nature. <laughs> Ice forts. Ice forts. Yeah. So we what we have is we have an, a, the, the common theme in Sword Sorcery is the outsider hero. Uh-huh. And you can't get much more than an outsider than this character. No, you really can't. He is uh, well, an, an outcast in his village not only because he is of African descent, so he looks different than everybody else, but he is also as far as everybody else knows, the child of rape, right?
1: Supposedly the child of rape. Correct. We find out that that later on that that is a defense mechanism that his mother used to keep him alive mm-hmm.
0: because she is actually his her favorite child. Right. You know, the child that she had with her one true love. She draws elephants. Um, she does. She does. You're right. Elephants and lions and various assorted things. So, yet again,
1: we have an evil magic user. Uh, but the evil sorcerer in this is just as much of an outsider oh, yeah. as as the protagonist. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, it's all about the decisions they make.
0: yes. And we have a character who, she comes in, she's made this deal, the the mother has made this deal to sacrifice a child to the uh, Ice Witch, who is effectively a vampire of sorts.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, She drains their life force, and she's been giving them the infirmed and the lame and stuff like that, and this would have been the protagonist's fate had his mother not protected him.
1: Now, the deal was that she would give uh, the Ice Witch a child once in a while. Willing once, a, once a moon, so every month. To protect the rest of the clan. And for the rest of that the time, she can do whatever she wants with the rest of the clans that right. are lying around. the Right. Which is still a raw deal. I mean, that's once a month. Right. Give up a kid. So, but I, you figure that the Ice Witch is doing this every night. But just
0: like the insurance companies, when you don't pay your tribute to the ice witch, she comes to get you. Yes. She and our protect our hero's mother, forgot to pay the due, and the ice witch came and confiscated one of her own children.
1: Well, it wasn't that she. Well, she did forget, but she was busy. She was.
0: Right. She had just had a a, a, a new baby.
1: Yeah, she was in labor at the time.
0: Right. But and took- she didn't hand off the responsibility while she was. You know, dealing with the
1: newborn. So the Ice Witch takes the protagonist, whose name is Ashlyn, mm-hmm. takes his favorite brother. Yes.
0: And Ashlyn is not having it. No, that's his favorite brother. That's my favorite brother. What you did is some that, bullshit.
1: That was the brother that he was hoping would take over leadership of the clan because he couldn't because
0: mm-hmm. he was child right? And so he had taken it upon himself to forge his brother into the best warrior possible right and so he's like he tells basically he tells his mother hey fuck you lady that's some
1: bullshit i'm going to get my brother
0: back. i'm going to get my brother back she's like no no you can't she's
1: too powerful for you and he's like stepmom now he has both he and his mother also have magic right. that should be said but not as powerful as the Ice Witch's.
0: Right. He's just like basically a level one. He's got a few cantrips and that's about it. Yeah.
1: He doesn't know Fireball. No.
0: He and there I think there's a couple of points where he wish he did. Yeah, Fireball would be very,
1: very useful in Fjordland.
0: So he travels to the Ice Witch's Tower, meets up with the Ice Witch, and in an interesting twist, does not instantly kill the Ice Witch. No. He uh, he tries to kill the ice witch. Realizes that he ain't got what it takes.
1: No fireball.
0: And then the ice. Then he allows the ice witch to seduce him.
1: Yes. And now you find out why he is protected. Yep. Got to be a virgin for the ice to witch to take you, because once you uh, lose your virginity, part of your the part of your spirit that the sweetest
0: part of your energies is just gone.
1: Yeah, that that could sustain her is done. Right. So that's why his mother sent him to the Horus Hut mm-hmm. when he was when he came of age. Yep. Because I mean if you think about it, the logical choice from the perspective of the clan. Mm-hmm is to get rid of him because he is the outsider. He is nothing like the rest of them.
0: Right. He's like number one with a bullet to get, get fed to the ice witch. Right. So mom, his mom does something he thought was kind of unthinkable at the time upon reflection.
1: She was just protected.
0: And then he, she, the ice witch gives him this empire strikes back kind of moment where he's like, let me tell you about where you're from. Right. And she reveals to him that no, your mother loved your father. They would have probably killed you, or worse, had had she found that. You know, had the tribe found that out. Um, and definitely, your stepfather would not have married your mother.
1: And her, his stepfather is the clan leader.
0: Right, his stepfather is the clan leader. And if you know, she hadn't made up the story that you know she was raped by this this man, this African man. She would have just been like handed to the rest of the tribe to be shared around. He learns a lot about his past and who he is from the evil witch.
1: Yes. The people he is living with are bad people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're not great people.
0: And in some ways, it runs a little parallel to to Imaro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, he decides to leave because there's nothing else really for him. Everything he knows or was taught to
1: believe is a lie. Right. And not only is it a lie, but it's a vicious lie, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't blame his mother for trying to protect him, because that's what mothers do. Yeah. No. But you can blame the fact that he grew up in a society that he needs protecting from. Now, so he decides that that he doesn't side with the witch because she's no. also an evil evil thing, too. Right.
0: So he's just like, you know what? You know, screw all y'all. I'm going to you know, get on my, my deer and head south, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to see this place with my own eyes. Yeah. Along the way, he encounters a, another sick child. Blood poisoning. Blood poisoning. Um, they've basically doped him up with as much morphine or heroin as they could find and left him in the snow to, to die. So it's like everyone he encounters in this land really is, is awful. Yeah. Particularly in his eyes, that you know, all of these people... They're just like, and they they left him out here to die. He tries, he thought he was trying to help. He brought him back to the village and they're like, no, get the kid out of here. So he does the only thing he can think of is takes him back to the Ice Witch and grants him a merciful death. And in doing so, grants the Ice Witch a merciful death. Yes, because he basically just gave her blood poisoning. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: And then set the t- tower on fire because, you know, you can't, you can't leave that kind of shit laying around.
1: No,
0: because then
1: you'll get like a liche switch.
0: Mm-hmm. And he decides to ride off toward the south in search of Africa. So it really you know, this one this one seems like it could lead into further adventures as this this young man journeys to the his effectively his homeland, looking for a home, right and really only knowing the ways of you know his Lord. adoptive culture. Mm-hmm. So you know he's he's effectively an outsider wherever he goes now.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Which also you know, is kind of a bittersweet end. Anything's better. <laughs> That's true. That's pretty much what he decides. Yeah, in another minute with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, the
0: next story on the list is the weapon Little. The next story on the list is The Leopard Walks Alone by Melvin Carter. Um, yes. Now, I, I, I know you and I discussed this, and I, and I think we agree that uh, the prose in this one was a little on the, on the drier side.
1: Yeah, it was It, it was a little uh, – I think that the author assumed that you would get more than he gave. Mm-hmm. And so it got a little confusing at times.
0: right. And it was it was very purplish prose in places. Yeah, lots of names,
1: lots of names mm-hmm. and lots of fantasy names.
0: Yes. And, um, lots of names there are lots of characters and the perspective jumps back and forth mm-hmm. but there's not much of a clear delineation. Between right. and really, when you switch perspectives,
1: and there's three separate stories being told, mm-hmm. um, and and they do go together. I just think that maybe because one of them was total political intrigue, mm-hmm. like the, the, the overall plot was one of political intrigue, kings. Daughter marries a bandit's son for an alliance, Mm -hmm. and they betray each other. And so that's that's the overarching plot of the right. Meanwhile, uh, ex king. Now this takes place. I I want to say it takes place in Spain. Yeah, like southern Spain, like Moorish, Moorish Spain, Um, because they refer to the Celts. I think. Mm-hmm. Or the Franks. They refer to the Franks to the northeast. Um, there's Celtic they, castles that become Alhambras. Uh, and to the south, um, you have they're being harried to the south, and you have Christians from the north, Muslims, and then the the black. Yes. And the, the, the hero of the story is the black. All right. Who is Sumanguru, who is a deposed king mm-hmm. who is beset upon by uh, surprise, a sorcerer! Right. <laughs> this one's a one-armed sorcerer.
0: Well, yeah, he's a one-armed sorcerer because, well, it kind of <laughs> kind of goes through, and yeah, and we get kind of the full story of yeah. sorts. As Sumanguru was deposed by the sorcerer,
1: right? But in doing so, um, Sumanguru ripped his arm out of its socket. Yes, and somehow got rejuvenated in the process. Mm-hmm
0: and you also now, there's a there's a second sorceress there's right. another magic user who is uh, kind of suman guru's patron of sorts right. and they she has this like antagonistic relationship right. with the other sorcerer they And then there's
1: an evil castle
0: mm-hmm. with a monster
1: right that is there and that that's the part i guess the the part with the the evil castle with the monster kind of felt like it was just not it didn't fit in with
0: the rest of the story. Right, it's just kind of there. Right. Because you had the big climactic battle with with the sorcerer, and that ended, and the damsel in distress runs into the castle because she thinks it's going to be safer. Right. Okay. And Suman Guru goes in after. He's like, now "Look, a lady, we got to go." And he's like, "No, there's a, there's something in here." He's like, "Did we definitely got to go?"
1: Right. <laughs> But I mean, the, but the castle, I, I suppose it could have just been worked in better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it did. It did. It was a little awkward. Um, you know the the fighting, the the action scenes in the story were
1: great. Yeah, and 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 the story itself was interesting. Mm-hmm. It just like like you said, I think it was more of a just an execution,
0: right. In, in a lot of ways, it kind of felt like it was an excerpt from a novel.
1: Now that that would have made sense
0: because it was suitably epic in scope, given three was. plots
1: going on, um, and just the sheer amount of characters and the sheer amount of characters, named characters, not just like extras, but mm-hmm. named characters. Yeah,
0: there was a, there was a lot going on.
1: Yeah, secondary characters, tertiary characters, mm-hmm. unnamed mooks.
0: All right. An overarching, you know, structure. This is going on here, this is going on there. And you know, and it in such a condensed form, it, it kind of loses direction a little bit. This this would have been a fantastic fucking novel. Yeah. Um, even even though the prose does get purplish and kind of dry at points, it yeah,
1: but you know
0: Sumanguru's
1: dialogue is very snappy. Yeah, you can edit that though. Mm-hmm. You know. And nothing nothing that really it's nothing that a comma or two wouldn't wouldn't help. Yeah. Or or a scene break. Right. It's it's really it's not like bad. It's it's just it needs like editing. I guess that's the it just needs a little bit more editing to it. it and it to publish. be able, and to be longer, really. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, that would be that would be my only complaint. Is this is this should have been a novella at best. Yeah. Well, oh yeah.
1: So it was like a seventeen or so page story, twenty page story, and it could have done with like you know 40, 50 pages. Mm-hmm. And oh, this this could have been ninety pages easy, and, and brought it out. You know, almost like something that uh, like uh, what is it? What's uh, not dark regions. Um, the one that produces the chapbooks dim shores yeah like dim shores would put out where you know speaking of dim shores
0: and you know I don't know I don't know if Milt listens to this but if you do listen to this Milt, you know and you get around to you know promoting other work again i know he's focusing mainly on his own stuff right now right um, that yeah, limited edition sword and soul chapbooks. That would be cool. Yeah. Like you know, longer short stories, um, the, even short novellas,
1: novelettes. Yeah, with like a hundred book run or whatever, two hundred print run. Mm-hmm. Featuring you know all sorts of
0: you know sword and sorcery type or sword and soul type of tales.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. Think about it. Um,
1: so this brings yeah, us to
0: the final story. The finale, And, you know, we, we let off with a Milton Davis story. And this anthology closes with a Charles Saunders story.
1: Not just any Charles Saunders story. Right.
0: In my only note on this story, and <laughs> it is, the title of the story is The Three-Faced One" by Charles Saunders. My only note is big capital letters saying Imaro. <laughs> Exclamation point.
1: <laughs> He's back! He's back. Unfortunately, I think the action in this story takes place after the two books that I hadn't read. Right. So there were a few spoilers. But mm-hmm. Saunders is a good enough author that he, he just hints at the spoilers. Right. He doesn't like...
0: He, he hints at the he hints at the spoilers, yet, you know, the story feels completely self-contained. It is. And so what we have is we have Imaro traveling to a strange
1: new land, as we Imaro get, does. We get an older Imaro, a more yeah. experienced Imaro, and Imaro that has a bit of a rep. Right. He comes to this comes to this
0: land, and he's just, like, observing things, trying to get, you know, a feel for what's going on. And witnesses one tribe offering this huge tribute to another tribe. Goes down, meets up with the one tribe, says, hey, amazing. you know, what's going on here? And they're like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I am Imara. And they're like, who? <laughs> and, and of course, you know, he kind of digs that because, yeah, he's developing a bit of a rep. And he's kind of happy that he's come to a place where that rep doesn't exist. However, being that he is Amaro, uh, he's quick to develop that rep again. Right.
1: Well, as Amaro says, they ask him why it's going to help him, because he's going to help him. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't like cattle thieves. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, crack me up. I don't like cattle thieves.
0: I don't like cattle thieves. So Basically, what happens is, is that the tribute is once a year, both tribes have a champion who must wrestle. The loser must pay a tribute, anything the other side wants.
1: Normally, Usually,
0: normally, under normal circumstances, yeah, it's one cow. Cow or a camel. Or a camel. You know, one to one, you know, and it's just kind of like a thing they do and everything's and cool.
1: it keeps the peace between the two tribes. Right.
0: Yet, the one tribe has this fierce new champion a gigantic brute of a man with three faces. And Imaro's is like, well, I know how this story is going to go. <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, Imaro, you said he was very experienced. This is a much more experienced Imaro. Um, yeah, he's he's also very savvy about, you know, how his shit goes in his life. <laughs> and, you know, as soon as he hears about a guy with three faces he's like yeah i got
1: to fight this guy <laughs> <laughs> i'm not so just get it over with what do i have to do to fight the guy yeah what do we we got to come up with a plan here and just, that's you know. what he does because now even though the tribe, these guys are losing and they've lost for the past 10 years mm-hmm. and that their their cattle are being decimated their people are being enslaved the 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 champion from the tribe still wants to fight. He still wants to to get in there and give it the old college try. And it's a big ego thing when when uh, Amaro suggests that he'll do it. Right. Yes, but hold on. You can't just walk in and say I'll do it. Right.
0: There's you got like, Why not? I'm Amaro. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. It's my idiom.
1: That's right. And and. Yes, it is, but they don't know that.
0: <laughs> right, they have no idea who he is.
1: Their champion doesn't know that this
0: is what he does, and their champion doesn't know that he is effectively a demigod. Right, and he wanders around righting wrongs.
1: Oh, you pretty yes. much find out in this that he is a demigod. That's the big spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, well,
0: all right, I don't want to have to fight your own guy because I'm not about that. I don't want to beat up, you know, and possibly hurt your strongest guy. Right. So, you know, we got to come up with another way. So he convinces the shaman of the village to cast a spell to make the champion sick. Well, they didn't think about the champion's rival. No, the runner-up. The runner-up, who's like, hey, I'm the runner-up. He's sick. I get to fight. And
1: and both the runner-up and the champion are bigger
0: than Amara. Mm-hmm. Which is always, a, you know, it's a, it's a convention in MRO stories to have MRO not necessarily be the biggest, strongest, most imposing man on the, on the field.
1: Right. But, of course, neither the champion or his rival have Cloudwalker DNA.
0: Correct. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, you know, how do you want to settle this? You know, the other guy could out wrestle you. He's like, we'll settle it with lifting. Take us to the big lifting rock.
1: And that's what they do. They lift a rock.
0: They lift a giant boulder, and, you know, the runner-up champion, he goes, strains, and, you know, picks it up, but, you know, picks it up to about chest height, and then just drops it on the ground.
1: Views a flexing.
0: MRO goes, okay, I can do that. Goes up, picks up the rock, holds it chest high, goes, yeah, I like this. Picks up the rock even higher, up above his head, and then just puts the rock back down. Doesn't drop it like the other guy did. He just puts it back down. He's an and the villagers are like, holy shit.
1: We got a chance
0: here. <laughs> And so we come across the big confrontation with the three-faced one, yeah. who is a giant of a man. Even bigger than foot, the champion.
1: He's a seven-foot-tall pile of muscle with
0: three faces. Imaro, being the smart and savvy character that he is, figures out the trick, and that the three-faced man is not a monster. He has been taken over by a type of parasite.
1: And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids.
0: Who's effectively, effectively a face hugger type it's a, of it's thing. A
1: mask? It's a mask. Yeah, it's a mask.
0: It's a magic mask. Right. So he pulls the mask off. Everybody's like, "Oh no! What is he doing? That's cheating!" You can't rip the guy's face off.
1: Well, yeah, I can.
0: And then once the face comes off, they realize, "Oh shit! It's a monster!" And then the face attacks. MRO again. Right. And because he's a bit older, and he's never come across anything quite like this. And that's that's one of the interesting things about this story, too, is, you know, Saunders is able to continually challenge this character right. by well, introducing things that he has not run across before. So it's it, not old hat for him to beat up this monster.
1: Right. Now, if you recall the last big supernatural battle that we read that MRO was in was the hippopotamus... Uh, woman right um you know he wrestled the hippopotamus mm-hmm. and was able to um, basically drown her right you can't do that with the mask nope and as a matter of fact if it wasn't for um, the rest of the people on both sides mm-hmm. from both tribes realizing what was going on and helping him out he would have been the next monster behind the mask.
0: Right. So we have we have Imaru almost loses. In, in a sense, he does lose, and then the people
1: come to his aid and are able to help him out. Right. Then we, we find out that the enemy tribe really was under the thrall of the monster all along, and he treated them just as poorly as they treated mm-hmm. uh, the cattle herd. And they were like, Okay, well that's cool. You know, we're we can I
0: can I can get behind that. Um, so what do you guys want to do? You wanna keep up this like wrestling contest every year? Now we're Now we're getting the <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. This land it's is shit. You can have it.
1: <laughs> you can have it. This place sucks. You can have it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really it made me want to read more tomorrow. Yeah, Sondra's a fantastic storyteller. Mm-hmm.
0: Overall, the entire anthology is a good sampling of what you can get out of, of Sword and Soul. Yes, you know you haven't checked this book out. Do so, get yourself a copy of it. You you know we've yeah we've spoiled quite a few of the stories.
1: Yeah, but you know just knowing worth, what's going on for me
0: to actually experience the the story itself. You know, with your own eyes and your own ears, you might get something out of it that we didn't get out of it. Right, you might uh, solve Sakati's con.
1: That's true.
0: So yeah, I would say you know definitely get a copy of this.
1: Um, oh yeah, most most definitely. I mean, it's you can it's on iTunes, it's on mm-hmm. Amazon. Get a copy from uh, the milk site.
0: MV Media.